five, four, three, two, one. on the drive, goes inside, stop, shot, lock, gets it back, it's over, it's over, Denver makes history, the Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history. It's Tatum, Horford, again, open smart three. It has never happened, as we've mentioned multiple times, a team coming back down three games to none and in again. an NBA playoff series. Puck comes back out, now Reinhardt with it. 10 seconds. Oh, 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 but as far as recency goes, this Florida Panthers team has been remarkable. To do the things they're doing in the fashion that they're doing it in is nothing short of eye-poppingly impressive. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Today with Peter J. The Saturday, May 27th edition special, 8 a.m. on the East Coast uh, start time for those listening live, those listening on the tape delay recording on Samsung, iHeart, uh, Podbean, Spotify, whatever it may be. Thank you so much for continuing the success of this program. Bit to get into today. Obviously, the NHL playoffs, we'll get into that in a little bit. NBA, we've got, for the first time, the Denver Nuggets going to an NBA Finals. They've knocked on the door a couple times. They've had good teams uh, over the years. They've had some success, uh, not able to get to the promised land, and they're four wins away uh, from hoisting the trophy, still don't know who they're playing yet, which is all the more impressive when you think about this. And you heard it in the open, Kevin Harlan's call in, in, in the conference final. No team's ever come back from a 3-0 deficit this deep. Boston is a game away from forcing a game seven if they can knock down Miami tonight in South Beach. Again, I say tonight, Saturday the 27th of May. For those listening live, it's an 8.30 tip on the East. TNT's going to anchor the coverage Boston looked about as sloppy in spots as you possibly could, given the magnitude of the situation they were in. Eastern Conference Finals, two seed, perhaps the best team in all of basketball, specifically with Milwaukee, the one seed in the East, being bounced in round one by Miami, who, oh, by the way, is still here as an eight seed. Your quintessential eight seed? No, they've got too much talent. And they're too well coached by Eric Spolstra. Jimmy Butler's playing out of his mind. I know he wasn't as efficient and effective in game five, five of 10 from the field, 14 points as he would have liked to have been. But Boston was just better in all facets of the game in game five. Even more impressive when you think about how bad they've looked in spots leading into that game five to get themselves in a 3-0 hole now to try to dig out of it. There's too much talent on this team. Be it a Brown. Tatum, you know all the names with Boston by now, ditto with Miami. Especially with Duncan Robinson is hitting threes and playing well. Had a good game efficient the other night, 7 of 10 from the floor in the losing effort with 18 points. You'll get a raucous crowd, I would 
assume tonight in South Beach. Those Miami fans, they, 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 they play with boredom in all sports uh, from time to time. But you would expect a packed house tonight. Maybe they'll have one of those whiteouts. Uh, the crowd going nuts. Leading on nostalgia here. This is not Miami's first rodeo as an organization. It certainly isn't for Spolstra. And Miami makes its life easy. You win tonight, you're going to the finals. Lose, you got to go back to Boston for a game seven in a team that was in a 0-3 hole. And the, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We've got the storyline, the 0-4 Red Sox. Can it happen again in Boston? Folks, it's not out of the question. Boston is very much alive, specifically with how surgical they were in Game 5. Honestly, you want a prediction? Give me the Celtics. They keep it rolling tonight in Miami. Let's push this back for a decisive Game 7, and then the finals tip off next week, June 1st. Extra rest for Denver. You know they're chomping at the bit. Because if you talk a little bit about that series in the Western Conference Finals with the Lakers, you know, my initial prediction there was Nuggets and six. I had the Celtics and six in the East. So at least the Celtics are still alive. Denver is a great story this year for multitude of reasons that we can unpack. Obviously, you got the Joker there. Best player in the NBA, and you see why. He was the two-time defending MVP until Embiid knocked them off the throne uh, this year and won the and won league MVP, deservedly so. Say what you want to say about postseason performance. Embiid had a phenomenal year. But there isn't a player in the game right now that's at the level of Nikola Jokic. A walking triple-double. You don't see big men who can dance around in that paint bring it out for a mid-range game, rebound at, a, at such an aggressive clip on both ends of the floor, and then dish it. It's impressive. It's beyond impressive. We haven't seen this. I mean, this is a legendary basketball player that we are watching at the same time that a LeBron James is still playing at a fairly high level. We see what Jimmy Butler's been able to do. Jason Tatum. You've got Durant when he's on, Irving when he's not spinning nonsense out of his mouth. There's a lot of good talent in this league, folks. This guy's the best. Giannis, Embiid, all great names, all great players, all players you would take in a heartbeat on your team because you'd be crazy not to. Maybe not Irving because he's a freaking psycho and he's a poison. But the Joker is the best of the bunch. It's not even close. This is a Denver team that was as close to unbeatable at home all season as there could be. Now, they go into the conference semis against a very good Phoenix team with a Kevin Durant and a Devin Booker playing good basketball. And I, like most people, had Denver winning that series in six. Fairly confident about it. That's wound up being Denver moving on. But I thought if there was a chance that Denver would get picked off, that would be a pick or a prediction of mine, if you will, that could have gone south. Phoenix wins the series. It didn't happen, but that's how much respect I had for the Phoenix team, the way they were playing coming into that. But it just goes to show you how good the Nuggets team is. Add in a player like Jamal Murray to support what Jokic has going. I mean, 
who's rolling better than this team outside of Miami and now Miami. Now you hear all the quotes in the paper. You see them in the press. You watch it on TV. We're not panicking. Good. And I don't think they will. But square up if both teams are playing their best basketball. The Boston Celtics are as good as it gets. Even as well as Miami has played. And it's been remarkable. Even though they beat my Knicks. Mary said it time and time again. I thought the Knicks were the better team. Apparently not. Miami's earned every single appearance they've had in this postseason to this point. And at four quarters away, four quarters away of winning basketball, of getting into the NBA Finals against a Denver team that played incredibly well all season, class of the Western Conference from jump. And what's scary is they might be playing their best basketball now. And that is the makeup of a championship team. This NBA postseason has been stellar. Something to watch that's going to be entertaining every night, even in these lopsided games. 110-97 Game 5 win for Boston the other night, but you were watching that. 3-1, Miami still got it going. Didn't look great in Game 4. Here they come back to Boston in Game 5. Let's avoid going back to Miami. Shut the door and get to the final. Not able to get it done. And man, was that Boston crowd ready to explode, and they did. There were calls during that broadcast where you couldn't hear Kevin Harlan. And TNT's got some of the best sound guys in the business. That's how deafening that building got. Could you imagine what it's going to be like if they have to go for a game seven if Boston is able to win in South Beach tonight? Wow. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. Continuing on with this NBA talk here to open the show, you know you've got Denver going in. They're going to get Boston or Miami. I think it'll go seven. If it goes seven, I'm all over the Celtics. They're just too good, and they'd be at home. That is an, in, an instance, folks, where the home court would matter. Usually the home court advantage uh, or home field advantage, it fizzles out in football, you know, first possession or two. Uh, the, the crowd goes nuts for a little while. Home field advantage in baseball, it'll fizzle out after an inning or two until the big moments really happen. You get a game seven in Boston with a trip to the finals again on the line, those people aren't going to sit down the entire game, nor should they. And I wouldn't blame them. They're as passionate as they come. That's going to, if Boston wins tonight to force game seven, game seven is must see TV. Could care less if you know a thing about basketball. I don't even care. You don't have to know the shape of a basketball to enjoy a game seven potentially between uh, Boston and Miami. But peeling back a little bit more out of the Western Conference Finals with Denver moving on, you got L.A. out. And the Lakers as a seventh seed did some great things throughout that series and throughout their postseason run. And that was a competitive sweep. Losing to a team that's going to make the organization's first finals appearance, nothing to hang your hat on. But now we've got this layer here of LeBron James saying he's going to have to mull his future. This freaking guy's not retiring. As talented as this guy is, to you lose a game like that, and, and then the, the comments that come out, not necessarily congratulatory. Well, I don't know what my future holds. Well, let's, we'll, we'll worry about you, LeBron, once the playoffs come to an end, okay? Obviously an all-time great, he's got an all-time great freaking ego also, okay? So let's let this go before we continue uh 
to just live in in LeBron land. As much as I like the guy, it gets a little nauseating sometimes. Oh, I'll have to think about my future. You do that and let everything else play out on the floor. We got a big game six coming up. We got Denver prepping for the franchise's first trip to the NBA Finals. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And then, yes, we'll be able to see some of the things that take place with the draft. With San Antonio on the clock, you know, they're going to, they'd be silly. You'd think young Victor uh, is going to wind up uh, with San Antonio. So as as that news progresses, we'll certainly have you covered here uh, on Sports Today. Um, including as we get closer to the start of, obviously, college football, NFL. Everything's creeping around the corner. It's just, it's cyclical. Sports is cyclical, and that's the best part. The negative news that came over the past week or so, if you will, uh, from the world of the NBA deals with John Morant, and it's sad. And it's problematic on many levels. Police had to conduct a welfare check following some unknown, cryptic, uh, misguided, misleading uh, Instagram messages that the the, the star Grizzly was putting uh, on his IG account. The reason that was uh, significant was this welfare check came two weeks after Morant was handed a full suspension from activities within the Grizzlies organization after there were videos of him holding a gun circulating across social media. For a second time. So as far as significant punishment that is going to come for that, that's important. But is there another element to this, perhaps with this young man's mental state? You know, people love to, they they see gun, you know, they they freak out. um, And people have a tendency to overreact. Maybe he's just a jackass. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's mental issues here. You know, there's people all the time that say they care about the mental well-being of others that could give a crap less. So you have to be careful with how you position your opinions on someone like John Moran here. Is it a good look? Of course not. Is there punishment coming? Yes, he's already been removed from uh, activity within his organization of the Grizzlies, of which he's a star. But it has not been a good couple of months for John Morant. And again, it's 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 a storyline that shouldn't be given the time we're in as far as the postseason is concerned with one team a game away from going to the NBA Finals and another two away from being the first team in the conference final to come back from a 3-0 hole. So that's the storyline. The Nuggets going to the Finals for the first time in franchise history, that's a storyline But unfortunately, we're worrying about this now. My fear here is that there could potentially be more to it on a personal mental health level for Morant. I don't know. It can't be eliminated, nor should it be, which is why people have to be careful with what they say. It could be him just being reckless and irresponsible. More information is going to come as we go. Um, But again, You hope everything works out there with Morant after this welfare check. Uh, Apparently, everything was was fine and dandy there. But moving forward, paying attention to a situation like this. 
And again, just before we flip uh, into Major League Baseball, again, you've got Celtics, you got Miami, game six tonight, May 27th, 8.30 p.m. on the East Tip. TNT's got the coverage in South Beach. So you're rocking with that this weekend. The winner gets the Denver Nuggets. We're going to get into a little baseball, obviously, a little NHL as well with what the Panthers are doing as they await to see who they will play uh, in the NHL Stanley Cup final. Um, but yeah, you, you're all over what's going on with the NBA. This game six tonight in Miami should be a great one. Uh, with that, before we get into some baseball, our buddy Joe Jett, who we haven't heard from in weeks, is on the line. Joey, what's up, man? Hey, Pete, how's it going, man? Long time no speak. How's it going? Yeah, well, what I mean, just because there's no football doesn't mean you can't call. Well, that you know what? I just enjoyed sitting. You know why? After the Rangers debacle. I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it has to be discussed, Peter. I know I'm backtracking here a couple of weeks. No, it's fine. I mean, look what's going on in the NHL. You, it's, right. it, it's cyclical, man. What do you got? Yeah, you know, I am so down and disgusted with how the Rangers season ended. I mean, all of these all-stars skating around, afraid to get hit, afraid to go into the middle of the ice. It is so obvious what this team needs. Since the Kings series, when they lost in the Cup Finals, they still have not addressed the issue of getting muscle and physicality on this hockey team. Forget been a problem for years. and Kane. Go get some muscle. You watch these hockey playoffs. These guys kill each other in the back of that net. But look, the physicality aspect that you bring up has been something that like the diehard Ranger fans have been clamoring about for years. And this goes back to, I mean, you can go look at the the, the cup final run where they fell to the Kings a few years back, where there's just there was a different element between what the Rangers were putting on the ice. Talented, yes, but size-wise compared to what the Western Conference teams are doing. And now you see teams like Florida's got size. Boston had immense size this year. You've got teams like Dallas and Vegas that boast big lineups. The Devils are known for their speed, but if you look around the ice, some of their veterans play with, an, with a heightened level of physicality. And that was abundantly clear games five, six, and seven, even though the Rangers won game six. I hear what you're saying, Joe. I don't know why it's something that hasn't been addressed, regardless of who GM and who the bench boss has been. I'm with you, and I think Ranger Nation is with you. It's frustrating, and it's negligence at this point that that hasn't been addressed. That's true, Peter. And, you know, I understand they fired the coach but every Ranger fan I spoke to had the same feeling I did. This is not a, Ger a Gerard Gallant problem. I understand you can't fire the players. We know that. So once again, another coach has to get fired. You know, the Rangers go through coaches like the Jets go through head coaches. You know yeah. what I mean? So this has to stop too. Chris Drury, when is he going to be held accountable for what's going on with this team? You you would have to think the mindset is the fact that he's been very active at these deadlines and he's a year off of going to the conference final. Um, but this was, as far as Drury is concerned, and I agree with you, and I think and I think most would, this was a complete fizzling out 
of of a, of a team that was a legitimate cup contender, especially with what they loaded up with at the deadline. You don't bring those guys in for the appeal just to the fan base. I mean, those are guys who could put the puck in the net and play two-way hockey, and it just didn't materialize. So you have to give the credit there for Drury for getting that done. But where is your effort coming from in that first round, especially late in that series against the Devils? And I think that was the big reason for the Gallant move. But now moving forward, I think it's I think it's Drury's seat that's going to be burning, specifically with who are you bringing in to coach this team next? Because this is another coaching change after just two years. It's not a great look at all. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm real curious to see who they hire. Are they going to go younger guy, you know, from an AHL league? Or are they going to get a veteran coach? So that's still up in the air. And you know what? It's all over now. I'm enjoying the hockey like everybody else is. And, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be Florida, Vegas. So we'll see how this goes. And it's going to be really exciting. Florida, you know what? After they beat Boston, I saw enough from this team. I, I right When that series ended... I said, this team is going to be on a run here, and I'm actually pulling for them to get this done. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll put the, the baseball on the back burner for a little bit and jump right into the to the NHL stuff for the next segment. But this is a, a Florida team that it, it's, it's poetic, actually, that you've got the Miami Heat on one end, a Florida team competing for a run at a championship, and another Florida team here, the Panthers, have already reached the Stanley Cup uh, final and the way they've done it is very similar. Miami has an eight seed knocking on the door. The Panthers at what what would have been an old school eight seed as what's now the wild card. Uh, this has been a, a historic run on multiple layers because of the teams that they've taken down to do this. Uh, a a record setting Boston team, a pesky Maple Leafs team, and then four consecutive one goal victories, two in overtime to take down a Carolina team that was amongst the favorites to go to the cup and win it. I, I've been impressed from the beginning with this Florida team to win a game seven in Boston the way they did. Absolutely, Peter. Great job by them. You know, great job by Vegas. You know, we don't get to see the Western teams as much as these Eastern teams, but, you know, congrats to them. And, uh, you know, it's got to be exciting without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, this entire – postseason I think for the NBA and the NHL uh, I mean Vegas again three periods away tonight eight o'clock at home from going to the cup final that place is going to be ready to explode right 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 Without so Joe listen before I let you go because I, I know you're a golf fan too I, and I know it's been the big story across um the world of golf, you know, the, the the live guys still battling the PGA Tour, and Kepka getting the, the PGA Championship a week ago. Guy, guy played great golf. Uh, when he's healthy, prioritizing these majors, he may be Scheffler and Rory if he's on, which he hasn't been lately. It's it might be the only two who are capable of taking this guy down. But I want to ask your opinion, um, just from the perspective of uh, of a golf fan like myself. You know everything that happened with the PGA Pro. Uh, Michael Block, is the world of sports, are we just always so thirsting for the next great story that we force things down people's throats a little too quickly? The reason I say that is I know that he finished tied for 15th at the PGA Championship, 
which is unheard of and remarkably impressive. Three consecutive 70s to open, then he fired a 71 to finish plus one on a golf course that that looked exhausting. But then he comes back and he's playing now uh, in this tournament the last couple days, and he shoots 15 over. Uh, after saying some questionable things about the status of which he holds himself, is it? Am I? Am I too much here, Joe? Am I? Am I picking on uh, uh, olives off the wrong branch here? To say that this is, I think this is a story that we can we could probably put to bed. Joe, you there? Did we lose him? I I think we lost the jet. But so what I'm referencing before, obviously, I get back into um, the hockey stuff was Michael Block, uh, the PGA professional who really came um, out of nowhere, essentially, as a PGA pro to qualify for the PGA championship, finished tied for 15th and played some remarkable golf, uh, played that final round with Rory McIlroy and played well. Um, goes out um, the last couple days and fires a plus 11 in the first round of the Charles Schwab Challenge, plus four to finish last at, at plus 15. Um, it did a recent interview uh, with Bob Menery uh, where he was asked about his game if he had Rory McIlroy's length. He said he'd be one of the best players in the world because he's got elite ball striking skill. You say something like that, and then you come out and shoot plus 15. I just don't think it's a very good look, um, to say the least. Did we get Joe back? I'm not quite sure what happened, but I guess we lost. I guess we lost Joe for the time being. Um, but yeah, so I was just curious to get another fan's perspective uh, about this story surrounding Michael Block. It's been enjoyable to this point, but you know, I, I think as humble as the guy had seemed to be, you know, that interview rubbed some the wrong way. I'm not taking things personally. I'm just legitimately curious. Uh, to see what many people uh, uh, feel about this now that he, you know, I mean, he's a PGA t- professional, which is a hard enough job to attain, but you see how good these pros are consistently on the tour. Um, certainly nothing to be ashamed of, but I, I just, sometimes I wonder if we're so quick to anoint um, that we lose focus on reality uh, at times was the point I was getting to, but I enjoyed the Michael Block. Uh, PGA run as much as anybody, um, and and it, uh, I you don't generally see. You could throw a Jason Gore a couple of years ago at the U.S. Open uh, names uh, like that who come out of nowhere. Uh, Bo Hostler, when he was an amateur, was playing well in majors leading up. Those things were exciting, and then obviously uh, we have what happened last week with Michael Block. Um, but and we'll see him again. Because he's going to be around. He'll be at next year's PGA. But um, I would would have been curious to get Joe's opinion on that. Hopefully he can call back in. We can get him back on the line. Um, but it had been, it was a, it was a fun run there. Um, but I, after what happened with the Charles Schwab, uh, it might be time to put this uh, to bed, at least for a little while. Subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Sports Today with Peter J. Yeah, you can subscribe anytime. Podbean, Samsung, iHeart's crushing it for us, folks. 
uh, on their platform, uh, exceeding the expectations in the download department. Uh, and it's and the program does well on on the tape delay recording on Spotify as well. But the the, the meat of it comes live on Fridays and or Saturdays. I know I've been changing up the schedule a lot. I'm coaching my school's baseball team. Last week, I, I was out the entire week. It, it is unheard of. You talk about one percenters, one percent of adults in the world or whatever it is, something like that, get the Coxsackie virus. And I had it for six days. When I could talk, I basically went around the house talking like Kathleen Turner for six days. My voice was so deep. I, I, I couldn't swallow. I couldn't eat, couldn't eat anything hot. Yeah, my daughter's hands blew up with those weird-looking uh, blisters that you get. She was all right after a day, 103 fever. I was out of commission. I had 101 fever a couple days, couldn't swallow, blisters in the throat, nightmare. Didn't, everybody says at school, you got a week off from vacation. I was in bed miserable. Couldn't play golf. Couldn't even watch golf. So miserable. But here I am. So the schedule changes. Uh, I have everything posted through Podbean each week uh, on when we're going to be either Friday or Saturday. Um, I think we have the jet back here. Let's give him a second before we get into the hockey. But again, thank all of you for, for the subscriptions. It keeps the show uh, going. Joe, you back with us? Yeah, Peter. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, yeah, I just re- I, real quick, I just wanted to get your opinion on the block stuff because I, 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 I don't want it to come off like I'm hammering the guy because he does something that people just don't do. And it was remarkable. But then he throws up in the Schwab a plus 15 um, after giving a, a sort of a questionable interview. Yeah. I don't think the guy's an egomaniac. I think he's enjoying this. I think he's loving it. Um, but I just think maybe now fandom needs to take some humble pie here before we just quickly anoint people as the next great story. Oh, Peter, you're a hundred percent correct. Uh, and I, and Joe, again, I don't, and I say this, I've, I've had Twitter conversation. I, I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm a golfer and that's never going to happen to me. So that guy gets an unending standing ovation, but I, I, I think we're so starved and we should be because sports is great on a day-to-day basis for the next great story that we lose sight sometimes. Yeah, that's correct. Again, he had his moment in the sun. It was a great little story while the PGA championship was going on. But let's talk about Brooks Kepka for a second. Sure. This guy, I mean, have besides Tiger Woods, have you seen a guy that revs up for major championships the way this guy does? No, it's and amazing. I think he loves the fact that people hate him. <laughs> well, you know what? Whatever motivates someone to play great, he's amazing to watch. Boy, is he all business out there. There are guys that that you've seen throughout the course of history. Like you can go back and watch archival footage of of Ben Hogan, you know, giving lessons and hitting shots, the shots when you need to. Sevy was great at that. Sevy would hit some of the worst shots imaginable and then hit Hall of Fame recovery shots. He was never out of a hole. Obviously, Tiger, I'll use the example lately of Scotty Scheffler, but I'm going to put Brooks in that mix because lately, along with a Scheffler, who has the ability that when they need to, in the moment, hit a shot? Lately, it's been Scheffler, and even more than that, it's been Brooks Kepka, who's back from an injury. And if he's fully back from that injury like it looks he is, I mean, give me a tournament that he can't win. He's making his money on live, and he comes out, and he's going to win majors on with the PGA guys. 
that's going to piss off the PGA loyalists on ending. But he's oh. been so impressive with the way he's played. Unbelievable. The only other guy I would put in that would be John Rahm also. Let's not forget him. No, not at all. You know, he's capable of hitting any shot at any moment. Yeah, I and love John Rahm. I, 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 I love the guy. I, I, everything about his game I love. His post-game interviews have me a little sour when he gives up his snide comments. But whatever. <laughs> Besides that, without a doubt, love watching him golf. But this Brooks Kepa, he is really a, a great big-time, big-time tournament golfer. I love to see it. And, you know, kudos to him. And we'll see uh, going forward as the Open approaches, the uh, U.S. Yeah. Open approaches. How's your golf game been? Eh, you know. Uh, decent to say, to say the least blaming it. It's still early in the season played 18 holes in the rain on SIGA day last week. <laughs> I'm giving it a go tomorrow out in Jersey, playing around with a buddy of mine out in Jersey. So I got that going and, uh, you know, uh, just one more thing, Peter, we didn't really touch on the jets and how can I go through a phone call without go ahead. touching on I'm, I'm waiting for it. The jets. Obviously, what do you got? Well, I mean, obviously, I haven't spoke to you since the Aaron Rodgers signing. And you know what, Peter? No matter what happens this season, no matter what, this was the right move that this franchise had to make. Yeah. Let's let's say, and I don't think it's going to happen. Let's say this just from right from week one backfires and doesn't work out. The Jets still did the right thing because this was a guy you had to go get as long as it took, and they did get it done. You can say what you want about the Johnsons and, and how Douglas handled it. The bottom line is he did it, and he's here. And he seems like he – I know he's a finicky kind of a guy. But yeah. you know what? He seems genuine. He's out there on the practice field. He's he's uh, doing these OTAs with his teammates. Listen, I love it all. I love seeing him. I never rushed a summer away in my life, Peter. But if I woke up tomorrow and it was September, get me there. Get me to <laughs> September. Let's uh, listen. Go. I'm with, hey, maybe we should do a, a live show for when the Giants and the Jets play. I think it's October 29th. Right, right. It, it is October 29th. That's correct. So th uh, that'll be a, a, an interesting one, to say the least. Hey, we, we, we'll get together one day and do a show. There's no doubt about it, Peter. But listen, to, everybody, to all your fans out there, everybody listening, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Be safe and hit them straight. All right, Joe. Thanks, bud. I'll talk to you soon. You got it, Peter. All right. That's our buddy, the great uh, Joe Jett, joining us. Talk a, little, talk a little bit about everything. And you get some NHL in there. And he the, the great, makes great points about the Rangers there. And then, yes, the excitement level of having Aaron Rodgers in the metro area now as QB1 of the New York Jets. I mean, that's talent galore with gangrene. How it plays out on the field hasn't always worked for organizations across. I mean, you see the San Diego Padres have been struggling offensively. I think a 225 team average or something like that. I know they beat the Yankees last night. More on that in a minute. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles tried to put together a super team years ago. I think the Jets have approached this the right way, uh, where they've surrounded, even before they knew Rodgers was coming on board, getting some pieces. A Dobbs, uh, amping up the backfield, beefing up the offensive line. Uh, I think they've done a nice job there to give themselves legitimate weaponry to support a defense that made a complete 180 turn from two years ago into last season from a bottom 10 to a top 10 unit. Uh, and we'll have plenty of time uh, to talk about football. But shifting back over 
with the NHL. You've got the Florida Panthers as this wildcard team on a magnificent run, sweeping Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals with four straight to reach their first Stanley Cup final in 27 years. This is a team that took one of the greatest regular season teams ever, the President's Cup winner of this year, the Boston Bruins, a record-setting team, to Game 7 in Boston and knock them out. Then they dispose of a really talented Toronto Maple Leaf team who finally made it to the second round in five games. All they did was parlay that with a sweep. Game one, 3-2 in overtime. Game two, 2-1 two, in overtime. Game three, one nothing. Game four, 4-3. Four, so you've got an ability of this Florida team to play physical, like they did against Boston, a little more finesse with which they played against Toronto in five games. Toronto, really good team, by the way. That was as impressive as beating that Boston team. And then to take down a Carolina team that was a popular pick to win the whole damn thing. And it's been this clutch play of Matthew Kachuk. Three game winning goals in the postseason. You get the the game four winner in overtime with 4.9 seconds remaining. This is a kid who had over 100 points in the regular season on 40 goals and 69 assists. Now he's got a shot in the cup final with this franchise for the first time since 1995-96. It's been nothing short of impressive, uh, and we'll see who they play between Vegas and Dallas right now. Uh, we got Mike calling in. Mike, what's up? Hi, Pete. How you doing? Good. What's going on? I'm just enjoying you talking about hockey. Uh, just I wanted to get back to the Rangers for a second. Sure. Um, the one thing <clears throat> I know, when, when they made the trade, jury – moved heaven and earth to get Patrick Kane. And I was disappointed to hear him the end of the year that his hip was never 100%. Isn't that Drury's job as a GM to find out if this guy's healthy or not? Apparently, you know it, was a, it was a wasted move. I, he has to take a hit for that, I think. And I and I know there was that... that the storyline there in the, in the in the in the papers and in the press when the, when Tarasenko came on board, Kane was all upset because he you know they played the same position, and right? He wanted to come over to the Garden, and they they didn't think they were going to make it happen. So you you get the praise there for actually making that happen. But if there is and I and I look at the same situation with the Yankees when they went and got Frankie Montas, who openly said during the offseason that he was hurt throughout most of his beginning tenure with the Yankees. Yes, that's the problem. That's the same type problem. of thing. And the, and the thing here with Patrick Kane is problematic. There's nothing wrong with these guys admitting it. When you If you're legitimately hurt, you shouldn't be playing because it's not fair to the guys on your team or, or you as as the individual you, to, right. to weaken a, a core. But if, if that's the problem here, I, it's a little bit surprising to me. Most people outside of Larry Brooks uh, of the Post uh, through socials hasn't been talking more about this because, again, everybody is fixated on who the next coach of the Rangers is going to be. That's right. Interesting. And uh, you wonder you wonder what moves Drury's going to make. The one thing, I know it's sacrilegious to say, but do you consider trading Panarin, who has had two straight disastrous playoffs? And, you know, he's a great player, but I like size. A guy five foot nine, 180 pounds, gets pushed around in the playoffs. And he's a great player. He'll get you to the playoffs. But two years in a row, you know, maybe you think about uniting him with Strom. Maybe he'll go there because he has a no trade. 
and the next I, the next couple of years at at 31 years old uh, with with Panarin, it, three years left at just over 11 mil, uh, highest contract that they have now, uh, right just right ahead of Adam Fox. Uh, but I think that is something that they w- w- would would entertain, uh, especially with him having three years left on that deal. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's it, it's it's going to be a money play for the Rangers yeah. during the offseason uh, with a, a cap hit of over 70 mil and, you know, just under 12 million to play with right now. So they'll have to do some work uh, with the contracts that they have on the roster already. Um, but moving someone like Panarin, who, yeah, it has, it was a struggle to watch the last couple of uh, playoff rounds that he's played in to just be a ghost. Yes, I know. And so, it'll be I mean, you'll see with guys that are under contract moving forward. Uh, but I, I don't think that's something that it would be dismissed uh, if it was brought to the table because changes are coming, uh, like it or lump it. Yeah, because they have a young kid. Uh, playing in junior now, Brennan Othman, who everybody says is a terrific player. So you know, if you maybe they make make room for a young kid, go young. Well, I think that was something that that they had tried to do uh, along the lines of you still got a young Kako, uh, and sprinkled in with Hedl, Hedl, who's still only twenty three, Lafreniere twenty one, didn't have a great postseason, and you could throw him in with some of the. the Trochek is still, he's a veteran, but he's only 29. Goudreau, right. I think, is 30. So they've got younger guys there. Zibanejad's 30. It's not an old team. No. Uh, Kane is the oldest one at 34. So, right. and Cried is 32, but the way he's played the last couple of seasons, I mean, the talent is here. It's just going to be tinkering. And I think the smart play, I, I think the logical uh, way to, to elevate this team from an accountability and, and a communication standpoint would just to be to hand the keys to the car to Knobloch and make this simple. Someone who knows how Chris Jury operates, Chris Jury knows what he tries to bring, and organizationally of guys who know how this man operates. I think if I don't think the Rangers have to reinvent the wheel here with this hire. I just think they have to be committed to it, and That's then right. they can start worrying about the cap space that they really right now do not yeah. have. I'm glad you mentioned. Uh... Knobloch, because I think, you know, they're looking all over the league for a coach. Meanwhile, the coach might be right under their nose. Wouldn't be the first time something like that has happened. Uh, um, I mean, you you see it through the pipeline with a lot of these guys that are are there now. I know everybody is throwing Sullivan's name around. That's the pipe dream. Um, Right. But, you know, I I, I think just for consistency, you know, you could stay within the organization and still have change. Just because you fired a coach doesn't mean you can't hire from within. So that's true. You know, I, I never really bought into that uh, at all. Um, I mean, the Knicks did it fairly successfully a few years ago with Mike Woodson. So uh, it, it has been done before, and mm-hmm. we'll see what the Rangers do. I, I, to me, from what I'm reading, it looks like you're trending in that direction. But eleventh hour deals happen all the time in sports. Yeah. You know that as well as I. I'd do. love to see it. Yeah, listen. I, I right now, if you, if you were asking me, I would I would say that that's probably the path that they would that they would go. But but who knows? I mean, we didn't think that the Patrick Kane would wind up a Ranger, and then boom, you wake up one morning and he's he's a Ranger a couple of days after bringing in uh, Tarasenko. So the right. Rangers aren't afraid to act. It's just a matter of is it going to be logical? Does it make sense? And does it fit what you're trying to do? Because there is still talent. There's sustainability on this team. Um, 
And yeah, I think especially right. with Igor in the net and, and who they have defensively between Truba, Lindgren, uh, Schneider. Um, you know, I think Nico Mikola had a really nice season when he was with the Rangers in it. Yes, he did. In the, playoffs. the kid so, Schneider played very good. Yeah, and Adam Fox, at, who's still only uh, at, at 25 years old. So, right. you know, defensively, you talk about trade pieces, <laughs> you know, as far as being a restricted free agent. Do the Rangers look to move on maybe from a Keandre Miller? Like you mentioned, Panarin. I, I think these are all possibilities. Sure. So, all listen, right. we'll see. But, uh, Mike, thank you for the call. Um, okay, I enjoyed it very much. All right. Thanks, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. So, listen, you, you get what some of our callers have said about this Ranger team. It's disappointing the way the season ended, specifically because you were coming off a campaign where you went to the Eastern Conference Final and lost in six uh, to a really good Tampa Bay team. There's no shame in losing a, a, a postseason series, specifically in seven games. But the way that the Rangers lost that, that opening series, and yes, it factors into the fan base who they lost it to, is not going to sit well. That was an effort loss. The way they played in game seven, quote-unquote road game. Let's be serious. You're going 35 minutes from Madison Square Garden to a building that rocks red, white, and blue half the time you're there. Now, kudos to the Devils for red and white and that out. That was great. And they were obviously more prepared than that. Changes are coming for this organization. But I don't think they have to be earth-shattering changes. Because there's still talent there. You got guys on the books. Some of the veterans, yeah, might there be. What's the play going to be between Tarasenko and Kane? Kane's going to cost more. Tarasenko might be the better fit. We'll see. Tarasenko's also younger. Both retained. I, I, I don't see how that would be possible. Because at right now, the Rangers barely have $12 million on the books available on a team cap hit of about 70 mil. So we'll see. Plus you got roster spots to still fill and you've got to find a coach. Got to find a coach where you can continue to still build from the lower levels. If you were to pull a knob block, we'll see. You've got game five tonight. Again, for those listening live, May 27th, eight o'clock Vegas wins. They're playing Florida uh, in the cup final. We get a game six. If Dallas wins tonight should be a fun one. Uh, but again, this Florida team is doing something you rarely see, but they're hot at the right time. They play together. They can play with speed. They're a two-way team, and they can get you physically. Which, oh, by the way, we just talked with our buddy Joe about how the Rangers lack physicality. I feel like I've been saying that for the last 15 freaking years with this team. So we'll see what changes come uh, and how they come. I want to get into some baseball, obviously. I, I had the headline set for the show that the Yankees seem to be trending in the right direction. They have a nice uh, trip split with, uh, with Tampa. Then you, then you take three or four up in Canada and the first one at home from Baltimore. Then they drop the next two to the O's. And this Baltimore team is a very, very, very good baseball team. Outstanding. They've got speed. They got Adam Frazier at the top of the lineup, who's having a uh, to this point a career year. Um, but the and then the Yankees dropped two to them, and they dropped the season uh, series opener last night in the Bronx to a San Diego team that yeah it, again a super team if you will. 
from top to bottom on this lineup, hitting 225 collectively. And they've dropped three in a row. 17 and 13 at home. We're moving up the standings, had gotten to within five in the lost column of Tampa Bay in the East. Still right there with the wild card. 30 and 23. There's no shame in that. But the Jekyll and Hyde aspect of this Yankee team begs the question to you, the listeners. Is this 53 games into the season who they are? Because it's going to be frustrating the rest of the way if that is, in fact, what we're going to see from this Yankee team. You've got an issue with DJ LeMahieu. Hurt? How significant is it if he is? And then you're going to have what, again, boggles my mind. A 20-plus million dollar issue with Josh Donaldson coming back full-time where Aaron Boone had has said he's going to be the full-time starter at third base upon return. Which, to me, is, is asinine to say something like that. You know, DJ LeMay, who's tough enough that his averages dropped to 250. He has not been good lately. But the Yankees held on to an Anthony Volpe and an Alduag Peraza for a specific reason. And I know Peraza's been banged up, but the kid can play some third. For Aaron Boone to just outright say, when Josh Donaldson comes back, he's the everyday third baseman. You can't convince me that he's saying that for any other reason next to the contract figure next to his name. And it's tough enough you drop two of three to Baltimore at home coming off a nice trip. I get that. And Baltimore's great. They're a postseason team. They very well mind that wind up may wind up winning this division. As good as Tampa's been, they seem to be coming back down to earth. Still a great team, but I like to make up the Orioles team. And you're not dismissive of the Padres. But you got two left now at home with, with the Padres in the Bronx. And then you head out west for six. You got Seattle, who could pop them. And then you got three with the Dodgers. Eight off the lead in the East. And Aaron Boone's big news was to say, well, when he comes back, Josh Donald is going to play in the hot corner every day. You can't give uh, Peraza the look there. Cabrera. Kind of for left, won a gold glove there. I know he doesn't do much with the stick. What are you basing on the fact that Josh Donaldson's going to be productive coming off a bad season and now coming back? From a hamstring injury. What are we doing? You've got this young talent, and it, it's almost I you know what? It was I was actually surprised that the Yankees gave the job to Volpe. Everybody in the world knew he deserved it. And the kids held his own. He's got 13 stolen bases, which is like average is a little low, but you see, he's a vacuum cleaner with the glove. And, he, and in big spots, he gets big hits, which is huge. But I just can't believe that we still have to have these conversations where yeah, when, when, when Josh comes back, he's going to be on everyday third baseman. This is a team that all of a sudden has gone into a swoon offensively. And that's your big answer. You still got no Montas. Good to have Severino back. You're hurting the bullpen. 
with Loisaga unavailable. Peraza nursing the right ankle sprain. Stanton's not coming back until probably early June. Radon, better news on that lately. But the fact that he was recently seen by three different specialists scares you with back, quote-unquote, discomfort. And the best that we could do is say, well, when he comes back, Josh Donaldson's the everyday third baseman. That's insane to me. That's, that's nonsense. That's absolutely insane to me. He's a part of the team. Yes, you're going to need him. You're going to need his bat. But if he comes back in four games, he goes one for 15. He's still going to be out there for the fifth game and beyond as a black hole at third base coming off an awful year. Absurd. I will tell you last night in the first San Diego game, uh, one of the higher ranked Yankee prospects, Randy Vasquez, uh, kid from the Dominican Republic, made his debut. Four and two-thirds, four hits, gave up two earned, walked three, but he struck out six. He's got a plus fastball. He's got good stuff. You watch the game last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so there are young pieces here between a, a, a Johnny Brito, Vasquez now. Um, within this organization, Davey Garcia is someone who still can't be ruled out that can make a difference. Clark Schmidt seems to be turning a corner. I still think long-term he's better for the Yankees as a long reliever. But they need him now in the rotation, still banged up. Look, this team's got talent. The Yankees are a postseason team. I'm not saying that. Might not be the division. May have to come via the wild card. But the Jekyll and Hyde stuff, coming off an offseason where you had to bring back Judge, and then your biggest play outside of that was Rodon, who has not sniffed the mound due to injury. That doesn't sit well. Forget about the fan base. I'm sure the, 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 the lack of aggressiveness doesn't sit well within the organization. Plus, you play in an AL East where Toronto's fifth right now, and they're 27 and 25. I mean, this is a murderer's row that you face day in and day out in this American League East, Tampa. Boston's playing good baseball, teetering lately, but they're a solid team. Yanks are good. The O's are really good. So is Tampa. And you got Toronto, who, if they get their heads out of you-know-what, can score with the best of them. And they've got some pretty good pitching. Alec Manoa is not having a great season, especially coming off of what he did, but you would expect that he will turn that corner. So we'll see. You flip to the other side, you get the Mets who are playing much better baseball lately. And the Yankees had been too. I'm not saying that the wheels are going to fall off this Yankee team, but the Jekyll and Hyde stuff, it, it scares you. Because if you go into a swoon in, in this division, you could dig yourselves an early grave, which would be bad. I mean, we sit here May 27th, the Yanks are eight games out um, of the division. Playoffs started today. They're a wild card team, but that's not the goal. As far as the Mets are concerned, seven and three in the last 10, one, two straight, 27 and 25. All of a sudden, here they are four and a half games behind the Braves playing better of late. You know, this is a Mets team, I, I I thought, coming into the season where you're looking at it as they took the first in their series last night with a, a lowly Colorado team, 5-2, where you look at this Mets lineup, yeah, you got Nimmo at the top, who's a 300 hitter, Alonzo raking, 
20 home runs, 19 home runs, whatever he has. Brandon Nimmo gets on base and he's the team leader and hits. I mean, he's done everything you've needed at the top of this lineup to really provide some sustainability below him. Lindor, eight homers, knocked in 38. McNeil hitting 283. So he's getting on base. Marte, eh, it hasn't been great. Canham, nice story last year, gives you support. Eh, out in left field. Brett Beatty, I think, has been pretty impressive. He's come back to earth a little bit after a hot start. I think there's the ability for this team, balance-wise, to score runs. But we know where the Mets' bread and butter is going to come from. And it's going to come from that, from that starting rotation. And you saw last week where you get the back-to-back with Scherzer and Verlander, even though they're older, what the plan was and that it can still work. Because when those guys are on, they're as good as anybody. Would it help if you could get uh, the likes of Carlos Carrasco right? Yeah. Cody Senga, I think, has been overall pretty solid. Meagle's given you probably a little more than you expected. Support there from, from the likes of Peterson. And then on the back end, with Robertson shutting the door. Brooks Raley's been solid to, to come in front of Robertson as well. So I think there's the opportunity here for this Mets team. Yeah, 27 and 25 right there in the race, playing better baseball to, to do some damage the way I think many expected. And while the NL East is certainly not anywhere near as good as the American League East, you've got a Miami team at 500, a Philly team that's playing a little better as they look to get above 500, three games under. And the Nationals are not a good baseball team at 22 and 29, or 23 and 29, whatever they are. But I, I, I don't, I think they're posing a few more problems um, than many people thought they would. There's some talent on that team. The point there is there's no days off. There's no nights off. And you've got an offense in Washington, even as cellar dwellers. Joey Manessis has had a nice year, 305 average. Lane Thomas has been a revelation in the outfield. C.J. Abrams, a bright, young, good-looking shortstop. And Cabot Ruiz behind the plate, who does a nice job. The problem is going to come for Washington in their pitching. But the rest of the division overall can pose some issues. Now, the Mets and the Braves should be right there. Philly's going to dig out of the little swoon that they've had going uh, early on. There's just too much talent on that team, especially when you get a fully or close to a fully healthy Bryce Harper. But I would probably have a little more comfortability saying that I expect more from the Mets than I do the Yankees at this point. And I'm not saying that the Yankees are a bad baseball team. I am on record saying that they are a playoff team because they are. Getting Stanton back will be a big part of that because they can put him in the outfield as well. He's frustrating because he gets banged up, but does everything asked of him when he's healthy. And yes, he does produce. I hate when Yankee fans try to try to say, well, he's, he doesn't, he's not clutch. He doesn't come up with big hits when you need it. Shut up. Because there's been instances over the course of his Yankee career where he's done damage that otherwise the Yankees would have been in no man's land. 
Same with Aaron Judge. And I know they had terrible postseason last year, specifically against Houston. I get it. But we could, you want to harp on, on Stanton? It's the injury stuff, not the effort when he's healthy. Does whatever he's asked, willingly wants to play the outfield because he's a plus defender. And, and in case you couldn't figure it out by now, if I have to play favorites outside of Anthony Volpe, Giancarlo Stanton is my favorite Yankee. I love everything about the guy. I always have. You don't have to agree. That's just how I feel. And I can't wait till he comes back because that's going to be another layer in that lineup where the Yankees have outside of Glaber Torres, who's having a phenomenal season. And Anthony Volpe has been a nice piece. Aaron Judge doing his thing. I like Trevino behind the plate. By the way, it was nice to see Ben Rortford after a couple of years of injury uh, now become a piece of this team. Anthony Rizzo is off to an electrifying start 50-plus games in. And Harrison Bader's doing his thing in center field. There's got to be a collective effort to move base runners, get guys on, move them over, and not just rely on the home run. The home run's going to be there for the Yankees. You know, the Mets, the home run's going to be there with Alonzo and Lindor popping them over the fence. you got to get base runners. And what, another thing for the Yankees is you've got to get more consistency in that bullpen. Where it comes from now, outside of a Wandy, Marinaccio, Holmes has been better, I suppose. It's iffy at times. There's good young pieces. There might be a learning curve, some headaches along the way. But that's how you get better. That's how you build a team. And we'll see how this continues to develop. I don't know even outside of this Jekyll and Hyde phrase that I continue to use. You're not in panic mode here with this Yankee team. Certainly at seven games over 500, right in the postseason mix. But I share the frustration with the fan base. I get it. It's okay to admit to that. It has been frustrating. Yes, it has been. But we'll see. There's a lot of baseball left, but this might be who the Yankees are. The Mets. Right now, trending up. Tons going on across the world of sports, right? We mentioned the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, this was the golf tournament that was following last week's PGA Championship won by Brooks Koepka. Um Michael Block, not going to make the cut, obviously. Uh, the great storyline, Joe Jett, when I was talking about that. Uh, earlier on at plus 15. Harry Hall, the leader at minus 12 right now. Uh, you got some good names on the board. Harris English is in the second. right now, minus nine. Emiliano Grio, haven't heard that name uh, in, a, in a little bit. He's minus eight. Young Hung On, minus seven. And then you got some uh, longer hitters, bigger name players. Scotty Chef was there at minus six. Veteran Justin Rose is there at minus five. five nine. Max Homa, Peter Malnati, he's had a nice season. Out here, speaking of a drillman, he will Kim's on the board at, at minus three. This is a fun tournament, a fun field. Um, Min Woo Lee, who had a nice one at the PGA last week, uh, is in there at minus two. He goes off later today, uh, at, at 11.05. This is a fun tournament. What, um, right now, here it Harry Hall off in round one with a third round. Rise on that um, as the weekend. You got the French Open as well, and and listen, it's it's a different tournament with Rafa Nadal not there uh, due to injury. This is the first time since 04 that Rafa's not there. Uh, the 14-time major champion's done everything imaginable at this tournament, but it's going to be interesting if you 
because what you have at the top of the bracket with Carlos Alcaraz, the Spaniard, is is playing out of his mind. And last year's U.S. Open winner, he's 19 years old, uh, to do the damage that many expect him to do would be unprecedented had it not been for Rafa Nadal, um, who was the youngest man to win the French Open when he won it back in 05. And wouldn't it be great TV or to watch this live if the top seed Alcaraz gets into the semifinals and he's matched up with the three seed Novak Djokovic. I mean, you're looking at an opportunity here for the new guard going up against the old, but the old is still maybe the best or among the top three players in the world. That's what you have going on with the French Open on the men's side. On the ladies' side, from an American perspective, Jessica Pagula and Coco Goff. That's what you're looking at there. Coco was the runner-up at the French last year. Um, you, U.S. women haven't won a major in the series over the last 11 majors. So this is a big deal here uh, as far as U.S. tennis is concerned. And I think Pagula and Goff give you your best chance there in this tournament. From top to bottom, both draws, both brackets. I mean, the talent is unbelievable. All the way down. Daniil Medvedev is right there. He's amongst the favorites in this tournament. So you've got your eyes on the French Open this weekend. The Charles Schwab Challenge in golf. Um, I, I Big news coming out of the world of Major League Baseball. Many of you probably saw this. The A's. The Oakland A's currently. And the state of Nevada reaching a tentative funding plan for a new stadium. Now they've got to go through a lot of red tape to finalize all of this. But this is a step in the right direction as far as the A's organization wanting to get out of there and move out to Vegas. So it's interesting. It's going to be something worth following because, again, you've got the, the tentative agreement, which is, is, is just that. It's, it's, it's an agreement for this funding plan to give them a new stadium. And we've seen what's happened with the Raiders already with their nonsense ownership group. But it's working. Different product on the field. They've got the new stadium. They've got funds rolling in. A's have been looking to bounce California for a while now. Specifically out of Oakland. There's no funding there for them. They don't spend in free agency. And if you've watched baseball at all this year, they are absolutely terrible. They've got a few young pieces, but it they, they are a tough pill to swallow. If you're an A's fan and that's what you're watching on a day-in, day-out basis, yikes. You stay with the franchise when they move, but you ain't going to miss them that much. This is a bad baseball team. Uh, just before we get out of here on this Saturday, Adrian Peterson, 38 years old now, said he's not officially retired, which is interesting. Very interesting. Waiting for maybe the phone to pick up. 38 years old at the running back position, and he still wants to play. Not officially retired. He's not going to take a nonsense job. But I don't think we've seen the last 
uh, of AP. And we'll definitely keep an eye on that. You had Aaron Rodgers banged up, scaring that living hell out of Jet Nation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he's fine. He took a, a Veterans Day, um, a day off a few days ago, um, where he got a little bit of a break from the OTAs. So A-Rod's just fine. Uh, nothing going there. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to develop uh, as we get closer and closer uh, to the start of this NFL season. Before we get out of here, uh, we'll take one more call. Steve's on the line. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, Pete, how you doing? Uh, just got a question. I know what's you up? thought about golf. I hear you have a big match coming up tomorrow. Is that true? I, I it, That's news to me. Oh, oh is okay. It? <laughs> I heard you. I heard you had a big match uh, in, in your in your. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. For, for, for the folks listening, you probably figured out this is my buddy Steve. He's going to run his mouth uh, about a, a golf match that the two of us are going to play tomorrow for big bucks. He wouldn't play me straight up, so I got to stroke this out for him. <laughs> you, All right, Pete. Well, I'll call him next week when I when I when I spank you, and your listeners will know that you're really uh, an amateur golfer. When you All right? if, if you beat me tomorrow, why don't you host the show every day next week and just talk about it? <laughs> No, thanks. I have a real job, Pete. I got to go. Really nice talking. I love listening to you. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks, dude. All right. Yeah, listen, that's, that's – Jesus. It's nice to – right? With friends like that, who needs enemies? All right. Anyway, listen, it was a great show. Uh, thanks to all the callers chiming in. Um, there's lots going on this weekend. Obviously, you got the Schwab Challenge uh, on the tour. Live Golf's got it going on. Um, between the French Open, Major League Baseball – Big games in the NHL and NBA tonight. You've got game five in the NHL's Western Conference Finals in Vegas. If Vegas wins, they go to the cup final to face Florida. If Dallas wins, they bring it back to the Star State for a game six, which would be interesting. Miami is four quarters of good basketball away from going to the NBA Finals. But if Boston was to win, they would be one step closer to digging out for the first time in the conference final, an 0-3 hole. They trail Miami 3-2, game six tonight, 8.30 p.m. on the East Coast on TNT. I like the Celtics in this one. I want to see a game seven, and I want to see them rocking in Boston. Thanks for all the callers chiming in, for everybody listening to the show, continuing to listen live and on tape delay and uh, post-record on Samsung, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you may list be listening from. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate the viewership. I'll talk to you again next weekend right here on Sports Today with Peter J. Have a good weekend, folks. Happy Memorial Day. Sports Today with Peter J.